Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We've been in a series studying the names of God found in the Old Testament, specifically studying the compound names of God, which are the personal names of God, Yahweh, Jehovah. And remember, as I shared in previous, previous messages, messages um, God's personal name was revealed to Moses in his encounter with God at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. And I'm not going to go and take the time to talk all about that, but if you want to read the story, you can find it in Exodus 3. But it's in that encounter that all of a sudden we discover the personal name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on where you put the vowels and the consonants of the Hebrew letters, but Yahweh or Jehovah. And it, it is closely tied to the meaning that God shares with Moses, I am. I am that I am. Meaning this, God is conveying completeness, that there is nothing lacking in God. Today we are going to look at a name that is often overlooked, even though this compound name is the most, most common found in Scripture. In fact, it appears over 260 times in the Old Testament. It's the name Jehovah Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth. My wife has asked me, can you please put it on the screen so we can see it? So we, this is the first Sunday I finally got it done. Jehovah Sabaoth. The translation for this name is Lord of hosts or God of heaven's armies. The NIV translates it the Lord Almighty. So when you're th reading through your scripture, if you see in the NIV, in the Old Testament, Lord Almighty, you know that it is this word here, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord Almighty. The Hebrew, the Hebrew word Sabaoth has a military connotation. It's used to reference a group of fighting men. It's used to reference an army. And, and when we all of a sudden have, have the combination of the two, Jehovah Sabaoth, it really has this idea of ultimate ruler, general of the mighty army. I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Hear the noise on the mountains, listen as the vast armies march. It is the noise and shouting of many nations. The Lord of heaven's armies has called this army together. The Lord of heaven's armies, Jehovah Sabaoth. Sabaoth is also used as a reference to hosts, to the host of heaven or to the multitude of angels. It's used to describe the myriad of stars that when we look up into the night, when it's a dark night, it's hard to find that here, but when it's a dark night, when you're out into the wilderness or out in the desert and you look up into the sky and you see the myriad of stars, Sabaoth. Each reference is a reference to God or Jehovah as the one who rules over all. He rules over all of them. Yahweh has ultimate authority and ultimate power, and there is no one greater than our God. No one. David writes these words in Psalm 89, 8. He says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? Where is there anyone in all of creation that, Lord, you created everything. There is no one that is mightier than you. And then listen to Isaiah chapter 40. These are the words that are, that are words of comfort that Isaiah speaks to the, to, the, to the nation of Judah regarding God's power to keep them safe. They had been, they had been um, 
in Babylonian captivity. And uh, Isaiah is giving him words of comfort, words of encouragement. He says, look up into the heavens. Who created, who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Do you, that, do you know that no one knows, no one knows how many stars are in the universe? No one knows that. God does. In fact, he says that, the scripture says that he knows them by name. Scientists estimate that there are about one, and I want you to catch this. I've shared this before. Scientists estimate that there's about one trillion stars for every person living on planet Earth. That's an estimate because they don't really know how many stars there are in our universe. But think about that, that there's one trillion stars for every person. You have a trillion stars out there. Can you imagine that? God knows how many stars are in the heavens. And I want to remind you today, this is the God that we love and serve. That's why I think why I got so emotional on that last song that we were singing, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. Oh, my goodness. He is the King of kings, the Lord. We, don't even, we can't even grasp how mighty our God is. He's the God over all creation. He's the God who has no limits. He's the God who loves you and sent his Son to redeem you of your sins. He's the all-powered one. And with Jehovah Sabaoth, nothing is impossible. And I want you to remember that. With Jehovah Sabaoth, nothing is impossible. Say that with me. Nothing is impossible. In preparing this message, I was struggling on how to communicate this message in an effective way where I will not do an embarrassment to the gospel. Lord, how do I share this holy name that you have given us in the Old Testament, Jehovah Sabaoth? How can I share this name in such a way that I'm not an embarrassment to your gospel? And I really felt impressed by the Lord just to share the stories of God that I find in God's word. So today is story time. Today is story time. And my hope is that these stories will reveal to you that God is mighty, that we serve a mighty God. Martin Luther wrote a beautiful hymn based on Psalms 46. A mighty fortress is our God. And that, that mighty fortress he's talking about is Jehovah Sabaoth. Let me read the first two stanzas or first two verses to a mighty fortress is our God. I want you to grab a hold of this in your heart and in your being. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe, speaking of the devil. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal, speaking of the enemy. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Lord, I thank you that, Lord God, you are strong and you are mighty today. And I pray over this message and I pray over your word that your word will penetrate hearts and lives today that, Lord, I will not leave the same way that I entered today. And I pray that prayer over everyone here today. 
that, Lord, we will not leave the same way we entered today. But, God, that we will bow our knees before you. We will humble ourselves before you. And we will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your goodness, for your forgiveness, for your righteousness. We give you praise today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. The first story I want to share with you today is a story, Jehovah Sabaoth has the power to set you free from sin. He holds the power. A few weeks ago I referred to a passage of scripture that's found in Isaiah chapter 6. And it's the prophet Isaiah seeing a vision of the Lord. And it's a powerful vision. In Isaiah chapter 6 it's a powerful vision. I'll get to that in just a moment. But in the previous chapter, chapter 5, it's so interesting. Isaiah was denouncing the sins of the people and God had called him to do so. He's denouncing the sins of the people. And he says, if you read Isaiah chapter 5, it says, Woe to them who do. Woe, remember, it's kind of almost like a mom and a dad. Whoa, don't, don't do that. Woe to them who do. And he goes on and on. Woe to them who do this. Woe to them who do that. Woe to them who do this. Isaiah is calling out the sins of the people. But in chapter 6, the mighty prophet Isaiah sees a vision of the Lord sitting on his throne. And he is high and lifted up, it says in scripture. He is high and lifted up. If you can take that mental picture and just see the Lord Almighty, which we don't know, but just is grandeur. And it's high above everything else that we can imagine. He is high and lifted up. It says that the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple. And all the angels were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Lord of hosts is Jehovah Sebaoth. That's the name. In Isaiah's experience, he all of a sudden recognizes that he is unworthy to be in the Lord's presence. And it's amazing how quickly it changes from chapter 5, woe to them, to chapter 6, woe is me. Isaiah states in verse 5, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. All of a sudden, Isaiah is recognizing, man, I'm not even pure before the Holy One of God, the Almighty King of kings, the great I am. And he sees this vision of the Almighty God and recognizes, woe is me before him. In the story, the angel flew to Isaiah with a burning coal that was taken from the altar of the Lord. And he flies with that burning coal and he takes it and he touches the lips of Isaiah. And in that moment, the sins of Isaiah are forgiven and the guilt has been removed. This prophecy is about Jesus, our Savior. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jehovah Sebaoth, the one who has the power to forgive our sins and to remove our guilt. My word for you today, for many of you here today, I want you to grab a hold of this word because we cannot live in righteousness through our own strength. We can only live in righteousness through God's strength. 
That is only the way that we can conquer sin is not through our own strength, but through Christ who lives in me. He has the power to remove our sins, to, for, to forgive us of our guilt. So today, I don't want you to live under the condemnation of the devil. The apostle Paul writes, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, say it, man. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As a follower and a believer of Jesus, you have been set free. Let me share another story with you. I told you it was story time. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Jehovah Sabaoth. These are all names found in Scripture in all these stories. Jehovah Sabaoth has the power to deliver you. He has the power to deliver you. The first time we see the name Jehovah Sabaoth is in the story. The very first time that is, that is written in the Old Testament is in the story of Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is a story of a woman who is childless. She is unable to become pregnant. And in the Old Testament, a woman who was unable to conceive a child, a woman who was unable to give birth, was seen as someone who was cursed or abandoned by God. Because, see, in the Old Testament, children, and it's hopefully it is in the New Testament and in the day that we're living today, but specifically in the Old Testament, children were seen as a blessing from God. And therefore, if you couldn't conceive a child, you were, you were seen as not being blessed by God. And can you imagine, especially in the Old Testament, where all of a sudden you can't conceive a child and there's so much weight put upon that for a woman and Hannah cannot conceive and all of a sudden this burden comes upon her life and guilt and shame because she's all of a sudden, am I not blessed by God? I cannot conceive a child. This anguish, this deep sense of unfulfillment weighs upon her. She's feeling judged by everyone. So she goes to the tabernacle to pray. And from the deep hurt in her life, she pours her heart out to God and makes the following vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, Jehovah Sabaoth, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, that I will give him back to you. It's worthy to note the Lord of heaven's armies, the one who rules over the Heavens, the one who knows the number of stars that are in the sky, the one who has a name for every one of those trillions and trillions, and I don't even know what the number actually can, I can't even say the number, stars in the skies. That same almighty God, holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty, is the same personal God that can turn an ear to a woman that is hurting, to a woman who feels like she has been left and abandoned. And is crying out to God. And God hears her prayer. God gives Hannah her desire. And she gives birth to a son. Not just any son. She gives birth to Samuel, the great prophet. The great priest, the judge of Israel. He is the mighty man of God. This is who she gives birth to him. Samuel's name means God has heard. God has heard. See, God heard the prayers of Hannah. And it's a reminder for all of us. We might serve this almighty God, this King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he also is so intimate that he hears the cries of your heart. 
You may be in a situation where you feel overlooked, where you feel judged, where you feel discouraged. And the difficulties of life don't just be piling upon you. But I tell you today, I want to encourage you today to call out to Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies and ask him to deliver you. And he is faithful. You know why? Because he is a God who hears. Amen? Third story. Are you guys liking story time? Good. Third story. Jehovah Sabaoth has the power to demolish walls. God gave Abraham a promise that one day all of his people, all of his children, grandchildren, the father of many nations, that one day that he would have this land called the promised land. It was the land of Canaan. God gave that promise 500 years before Joshua was standing before the walls of Jericho. A fortress that blocked the way for the Israelites to inhabit the promised land. If you remember the stories, they're delivered out of Egypt. They wander into the wilderness for 40 years. And now they cross over the Jordan River. And now they're standing at the promised land. But man, it seems scary. It seems I know the promise that God has given us. But man, this seems like it's an impossible task to take on. And they're standing before this city, this great fortress called Jericho. According to scripture, Canaan was a land flowing with milk and honey. Meaning that Canaan was a prosperous land. But it's also recorded in scripture that it was a very wicked land. The Canaanites were brutal people who worshipped many false gods. It was a society of horrific and perverse sins. And you can read the list of sins in Leviticus chapter 18. If you're so interested in reading all those. Jericho was considered a city that was impossible to conquer in its day. The walls, I believe, were 20 feet thick and they were high. and It just seems like it was an impossible fortress. Yet God promised Israel that the land would be theirs. The conquering of Jericho became simple. God told the Israelites to march around that city one time each day for six days. Go out and march around that city one time each day for six days. And then on that seventh day, I want you to march around that city seven times. And after you get completed, marched around that city seven times, all of a sudden the, the, the priests are going to blow the ram's horn. And when they blow the ram's horn, I want everybody to give the loudest shout that you can. I remember, how many have ever been part of a Jericho march? Let me see how many old people are here. Come on. Come on, there we go. Some of you guys are looking at me, what are you talking about, Pastor Tom? Back in the day, when I was growing up as a kid, we'd have a Jericho march. Where all of a sudden, we'd start walking around the auditorium. And we'd start shouting before the Lord. Never had the walls come down, though. But it was a Jericho march. How could the mighty walls of Jericho just collapse? How could this happen? How could walls that thick all of a sudden just tumble down? I think the answer is found in Joshua chapter 5. The chapter right before chapter 6. So many times when you read something in scripture and you see a miracle that's taken place, especially in the Old Testament, I encourage you to go to the previous chapter and read. Because many times the previous chapters holds the secret of why God was doing what he was doing. In Joshua 5 we're given the answer, verses 13 through 15, the very last portion of that chapter 
When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Jehovah Sabaoth. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What, you, what do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. It's an interesting response that the commander of the Lord's army gave to Joshua. When Joshua approached him and said, Are you friend or foe? The response that the commander gave was very interesting. Neither. Neither. I want you to catch this because this is so important because right now the commander of the Lord's army, most of the, most of the biblical scholars believe that this is Jesus uh, incarnate. This is before Jesus had flesh. This is Jesus standing before Joshua. And, and what, are you friend or foe? He says neither. What does that mean? Here's a takeaway for you. For me. The Lord is not called to be on our side. We are called to be on his side. Just let that sink in for a minute. The Lord is not called to be on our side. We're called to be on his side. The reason the Israelites won the battle of Jericho is because Joshua was on, was on God's side. If he's not on God's side, he doesn't win the battle. When Joshua realized it was the Lord of hosts speaking to him, he fell, to, he fell before him and worshipped him. Many times in life we want God to choose our side. Rescue me from my troubles. Rescue me, Lord. Come on, be real. How many of you have been there? I've been there. But God rescues those who choose to be on his side. Those, are surrendered, those who are surrendered to his authority. Joshua obeyed the command of the Lord, and they won the battle at Jericho. There are times where we can become discouraged because, man, we're all of a sudden we're just facing these insurmountable walls that are huge and massive, and, they, and it seems like it's an impossibility. It seems like there is no way, and God is the one who makes a way. But we're called to be faithful and obedient to the Lord's commands. The walls of Jericho didn't fall on the first day, did they? They marched around that first day, didn't fall. They marched around the second day, didn't fall. They marched around the third day, didn't fall. It wasn't until the seventh day after they marched around the walls of Jericho for seven times when they gave the shout that the walls of Jericho finally came down. I share that to encourage you. Don't give up. Stay the course. God has you. Just stay walking with him. It's interesting. If you read that scripture, if you read the story about Jericho, the people inside Jericho were fearful of the Israelites' God. They had already heard about what God had already done, how they had he had already destroyed other armies, how he had brought them through the Red Sea. They had already heard about this God that Joshua was falling, and they were terrified, and they were fearful of this God that was walking in. And it's a reminder to all of us that the devil is afraid of believers who are submitted to the power of God in their life. 
When you are submitted to God and you have your walk with God, guess what? The devil, the enemy, he is so fearful from you. He is so fearful of you because it has nothing to do with you, but it has, about, has everything to do about God who is with you. He's walking on your side. According to James 4, 7, the devil has no option but to flee from those who are submitted to God's purpose. James 4, 7. Final story. We're okay on time. If your stomach is growling, just grab a hold of it, okay? And say, stop right now in the name of Jesus. Final story I share with you comes from the life of a shepherd boy. You probably already know where I'm going, but maybe not. Jehovah Sabaoth has the power to destroy giants. This is a story about a shepherd boy named David. It's a story about him before he was king. You can find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Philistine army and the Israelite army were at war with each other. The Philistine army was on one side of the hill. The, the Israelite army was on the other side. And there was a valley that was in between them. Many of you know the stories, but if you don't know the story, I share it with you kind of in a synopsis. The Philistines had a warrior named Goliath. He stood over nine feet tall, massive. And he had just superhuman strength. He was powerful. Goliath had been taunting the Israelites because he knew the Israelite soldiers were afraid of him. Goliath ch challenged the, any Israelite warrior, come fight me. He would yell at them across the valley, come fight me. If you win, we will be your slaves. But if I win, you, the Israelites, will be my slaves, the Philistines' slaves. The Philistines were a horrific people of the day. In verse 10, Goliath shouts out to the Israelites, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. But no one would fight Goliath. They were all afraid of him. They were terrified of him. Then comes a shepherd boy named David. He's not even there, part of the military. He's not enlisted, but his brothers are. And his father sends David to the, to the front. He says, hey, I want you to go take your brothers some fresh fresh bread and some cheese, and I want you to bring it to the front lines there and give it to them. We're thinking about them. Bring it to them. When David, the shepherd boy, brought the bread to his brothers, he hears Goliath's taunts, and David then asked one of the soldiers, who is this pagan Philistine? I love David. I love just the way he says things. I just love him. Who is this pagan Philistine that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Then David met with the king Saul and told Saul, don't worry about this Philistine. I will fight them. Now this is a shepherd boy going to a king. Don't worry about this giant Goliath. I'll go fight him. And basically Saul kind of laughs at David's statement because he sees a shepherd boy. Eventually Saul grants David's request and David went down into the valley to fight Goliath. And Goliath also makes fun of David and hurled curses at David. But listen to the words that David spoke to Goliath. They're powerful. 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, you defied someone that you shouldn't have defied. 
Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. Oh, the Bible is so cool, man. Just like, ooh. Notice David's declaration. I come to you in the name of the Lord's of heaven's armies. Then look at the beginning of verse 46. Today, today the Lord will conquer you. David was saying nothing about himself. He was saying everything about Jehovah Sebaoth. This was never David's fight. This was always the Lord's fight. David was just a vessel of God's power. Goliath was fighting against the Lord of heaven's armies. Don't ever take that fight on. Just challenge you today. Don't do that. There are times in our life where you or I might face giants. Giants that seem that they're just too big. They're intimidating. They speak fear over us. They put doubt into our hearts and into our lives. And in those times, we need to call upon the Lord of heaven's armies. Because we don't fight with our own strength. We allow God's power and his strength to fight through our life, just like David. David came into the fight with the power of heaven's armies because David had Jehovah Sabaoth on his side. What team are you on? Are you on God's team or are you playing for the opposing side? Like Goliath, who was defying the armies of Israel. See, each and every one of us have to make a choice to choose which side we're on. The Israelite army were all standing in fear of Goliath. All they saw was this mighty giant, and they were standing in fear of Goliath, and they were hearing all these just different taunts that he was saying, Who, none of you are, none of you are brave enough to fight me. All of you are standing in fear. None of you will come out and fight me. And all they're hearing this, and guess what? In that moment, I want you to share, I want to share something with you. I want you to grab a hold of this thought. In that moment, Goliath was their commander. In that moment, Goliath had become the Israelites' commander because they were listening and they were responding in fear. See, David enters the scene. Ah, he says, no, 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 no. I am not going to listen to this uncircumcised Philistine that stands before me. Do you know who I come with? The Lord of heaven's armies is coming with me. You see, obviously David knew who his commander was. The Israelite army didn't understand it. They didn't know who was in command. It reminds us that we need to be, we need to choose what team we're on. Can't be half in, half out. David was all in for God. It reminds me of Joshua's challenge to the Israelites after they were, came out of Egypt and they went into the 40 years into the desert and they're going into the promised land. And because of Egypt, they're carrying all these idols still with them. They were trying to be half in with God and half in with what, everything they learned from Egypt. They had all these idols they were serving, and then they were trying to serve God on, on, as well. And Joshua finally says, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm speaking that over us. Enough is enough. Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that statement, because all of a sudden Joshua says, enough. It's not going to work. Choose ye this day who you're going to serve. Because for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. I encourage you, let Jehovah Sabaoth be your strength. 
Let him be your strength. Let him be your might. Let him be your power. It's not going to work in your strength. It's not going to work in your might. It's going to work in God's power. I return to Martin Luther's song, Almighty Fortress is Our God. I want to read that last, the second stanza to you one more time. Say, hope it takes on greater meaning this time. If you can find the slide, it's great. If you can't, no problem. It's the second one. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. You see, your success is not dependent upon you. Your success is 100% dependent on Jesus Christ, Jehovah Sabaoth, because he is the one fighting on your behalf. When he writes these words, Martin Luther, and he must win the battle, the reason those are written, because he knows he can't win the battle. Jesus must win the battle of your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Woo! We are so grateful to serve you today, God. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty one. We are so grateful that we can be surrendered to you and that we can call you commander-in-chief. And Lord, we surrender just like, Lord God, Joshua did before the walls of Jericho. And all of a sudden he's, command, he's talking to the Lord of hosts and he, and he falls to, to your feet. What can I do? Give us your commands, Lord. Give us your direction. Because we serve you, Lord. And we serve you only. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Everybody stand with me here today. We're going to take time and we're just going to worship the Lord. I know we might be just, now. we're not late. I'm going to declare late now is 12 o'clock, okay? So just FYI, I declare that over us right now. Late is 12 o'clock. For all of you who are like a 20-minute message, I'm sorry. Whew, the Lord is holy. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is almighty. Today I want to just op open the altars for you today. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front and be a part of that. I'm gonna ask you to come down now as we worship the Lord. I just feel that in my spirit for our deacons, for our, those who have requested to be leaders in our prayer time. If you need Jesus, come down and ask, just ask someone to pray for you today. They'll lead you through that prayer. We wanna, this is a community here. I was talking to someone this week. This is the body of Christ. Everyone is welcomed. Amen? Everyone is welcomed. And we're the community that loves Jesus. Doesn't mean we have everything right. But it means we know who the commander is of our life. And we're choosing to surrender underneath him. And we're choosing to follow after him each and every day. If you need prayer today, if you just need encouragement, if you need a prayer for healing, whatever it might be today, we want to pray over you today. I'm going to ask our leaders... 
Come on down. Those who are going to be praying. I know it's, we're, we're doing a little more awkward than today. I just feel like it in my spirit. Um, West Polly, come on down, please, if you got time. I'm sorry, I'm calling you out of the audience right now. John, come on down, you guys. I just, want, I just feel this in my spirit today. We're going to take time to pray. Is that okay? Yeah. Whew, I am so glad that you're a church that says yes, because we've got to be able to pray. I love you here at South Coast Christian. This church loves you. But most importantly, and most importantly, God loves you. And he is on your side. He is fighting for you. So I don't care what struggles you might have this week. I don't care what struggles you might have this month, this year. If you know God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. We love you. Man, worship with us today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.